Morning, everybody. It is good to see your faces. I'm really excited about today. If you're able to stand, I invite you to stand as we sing these couple songs out. Here we go. Sing when night, when night has fallen, when fear is coming, still you're calling. Lost and my hopes exhausted. You will be my strength. Cause when my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough for me. Yes, you are. And I've decided I'm not giving up. No, you won't give up on me.
one thing that I've really held on to in this season is the fact that I know that all of God's promises are yes and amen. So when he says things in his word, that he's always with me, that he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, I cling to those kinds of promises. And I think we can all benefit from clinging to those. Are y'all with me? So I invite you all to sing this out with me.
Is it not? Oh my goodness. It is so good to be with all of you. I'm so glad that you all are here. And that song was the perfect song, really, not only for today, but really for the season that we're in. Because with everything that has happened, with the uncertainty of the future, one of the things that I was reminded of is that we can rest in the promises of God, which are certain and forever. And so can you get an amen for that? Awesome. Good stuff. And so you all can take a seat. And so I just want to not only welcome you all, but also acknowledge the fact that today looks a little bit different in that we're physically distanced, we're wearing masks and all of that, but nevertheless, it's still great to be back in the auditorium. And something else that I want to mention is towards the end or at the end of the service, um, after the message and after uh, we respond in song, I'm also going to come up and just give us a few guidelines uh, as to how we can exit the auditorium just in a safe manner. And so that'll be coming up later on as well. And something that's another group that we want to acknowledge as well is our streaming audience. Can we give them a huge round of applause? Awesome. So glad that you all are with us. And really, our online platforms have been a gift to us in the past several months when we haven't been able to meet in person. And we've been able to still remain connected and have this sense of togetherness. So I want to welcome you all as well. And today, I'm really another reason why I'm excited about today is we're kicking off a brand new series called Remember, where over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the life of a man in the Old Testament named Joshua. And Danny Cox, our Troy Lee pastor, he's going to be up in a moment to lead us in that thought. And so I'm really, really excited about that. But at the same time, in this whole theme of remember, when we look back at the last couple of months, God has done some incredible things, not only in our community, but also through our community as well. And so we wanted to take a moment, remember that, and also celebrate that as well. And so we made this video. And so we'd love for you to check this out. Welcome to Kensington. 
I'm Danielle, and I want to represent all of Kensington when I say we're so glad to have you with us today. Whether it's a welcome back or for the first time, whether it's in person or online, most of our campuses are meeting in person as you watch this. Can you believe it? It's been four months since we were able to have on-site services, but one thing is for sure, this season of distancing taught us that the church is not confined to a building. It's the people. If you're visiting us for the first time or are still pretty new to our community, we'd love to have you introduce yourself. Just text hello to 248-781-2771. You can also browse our website at kensingtonchurch.org and you'll find information on just about everything on the Kensington Church app. These months have been uncertain, crazy, and maybe even scary at times, but God has been doing incredible things through Kensington, through you. So we're taking this opportunity to reflect on the things that we never want to forget about this season, the things we want to remember. Let's remember how we wore pajama pants during business meetings on Zoom, how our kids chalked the sidewalks with encouragement, how we learned how to make sourdough bread or start sewing masks for the neighborhood. Let's remember our first online-only service on March 15th because the well-being of every person in our community is so important to us we had to leave our big stages and beautiful spaces empty. This meant you didn't have to pull the family together to get to church on time, but instead worshiped from your living rooms and got a real up-close look at the decor of our teaching pastor's homes. Our online services brought hundreds of new people to connect with Kensington, and we had nearly 200,000 unique devices stream our weekend and midweek services over the past four months. We celebrated Easter remotely too, and it was a beautiful chance to celebrate the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Let's remember how just a few weeks ago, 281 people from across our campuses committed to running or walking in our Hope Water Project Virtual 5K and took over sidewalks and tracks all over Metro Detroit on behalf of the Pocot people of Western Kenya. At our Traverse City campus, two women ran self-appointed half marathons. Because people within this community are walking, running, cycling, and volunteering with a purpose, we have already raised enough for one life-giving well, which will bring health, community, and the love of Jesus to our neighbors halfway around the world. The Midland Dam breach caused historic flooding in mid-Michigan, with thousands of people asked to evacuate in the middle of a pandemic. More than 60 of you moved out to serve on the ground and clean up efforts through our Draw Move Out team and many more gave financially to fund relief efforts. We have partnered with My COVID Response throughout the pandemic to provide volunteers and financial support. Every week, My COVID Response delivers food to over a thousand families, and we recently launched a Kensington Move Out team to further support their efforts. Let's remember how our school partners program allowed us to meet practical needs and bring the hope of Jesus to so many families, students, and staff members at our local partner schools. You may have heard some of these highlights, but let's run down the list. Volunteers assembled over 2,800 school supply bags for students at home learning. School partners also provided about 1,000 academic fun packs, complete with stickers for elementary students. Over 1,200 notes of encouragement were provided to Pontiac School District and Seminole Elementary. Some of our 1829 young adults created a Breakfast Buddies team at Rogers Elementary, and when they couldn't meet with the younger students any longer, they put together an encouraging video for them. My name is Arthur, and I just wanted to say, we miss you so much. We just wanted to say we miss you guys, we hope to see you guys soon, and we love you guys so much. K-Kids and school partners provided over 500 Easter craft kits that were shared with the House of Hope, 
Dream Center of Pontiac, Center of Success, and Micah 6 to help local children celebrate Easter. Our school partners team also sent out Word on Wednesday emails from mid-April through the end of the school year to the 500 staff members at our partner schools. These emails were a source of profound encouragement for many. One teacher shared, thank you for this writing that hit my heart in the right spot. I cried. It's been a lot lately, but this was beautiful. Thank you. Let's remember how a group of women from our Birmingham campus created a Metro Detroit Frontline Appreciation Group, or FLAG for short. We were grateful to come alongside this amazing initiative by donating $5,000 in support of their efforts to provide meals to frontline workers and medical staff. The group raised over $370,000. We fed over 50,000 meals. We had a Facebook community of 23,000 members. It was absolutely beyond our wildest dreams, and it was a way that God was able to touch so many lives in our community and beyond. Let's remember that quarantine hasn't stopped people from pursuing their recovery. When the pandemic hit, those on a journey to recovery were especially vulnerable. That's why Celebrate Recovery continued to encourage one another through online meetings for several months. On Saturday, June 27th, the group gathered at the Troy campus for a drive-by celebration ceremony, recognizing each individual's personal victory over all kinds of things, like codependency, food, gambling, or substance abuse. Celebrate Recovery leaders handed out milestone chips ranging from 30 days to 27 years. We are honored to be a part of each of these stories of healing and freedom through Jesus. And while we were reeling from the pandemic and its impact on every aspect of our lives, we also came face to face with the pain of injustice, racism, and civil unrest in our country. Let's remember that God's people are called to speak love to hate and fight for reconciliation. That's what we did here at Kensington, starting with this personal and moving video by Troy Worship Arts Director, Jalen Seawright. And if we believe what the Word of God teaches us, that we are all made in the image of God, then we believe that we belong to the same body, and that is the body of Christ. During the first weekend service in June, Danny Cox spoke with Jalen and his father, Pastor Jerry Seawright, about how Jesus came to tear down dividing walls and show us how to live out the gospel as one new humanity. Jesus, what would you have for us in this new humanity? How do we function as a church in one body? How do we demolish these walls between us and how do we move together effectively to really um, proclaim the gospel just by the way that we love each other and we care for each other and we welcome each other and we create one body. These powerful words of love and reconciliation are the very heart of God and indeed something to remember. There are so many more examples we could give in which God used the people of Kensington during this season to impact, to give, to heal, to love. Thank you for being a community that sees a need and moves towards that need. And as we move into the future with each new day unfolding new challenges or joys, let us not forget the works of God we have seen. He has been faithful and he will be faithful. Let's remember. Well, here we are together again. You're just used to seeing this much my face most of the time. How many of you have done Zoom calls during this time? Let me see your hands or any kind of call like that. How many of you never want to do one of those again? 
Thank you. No, it, actually, the technology's been awesome, but you know, it's been 19 weeks for me that I've stood on this stage and said a word. I, I left uh, before any of this uh, happened. I went to Nepal. About halfway through that trip to Nepal, my wife called me and said, something's going on here. You, when you get back, the world is not going to be the same. And I had no idea how true that was. I mean, I really didn't have any idea. So 19 weeks, almost five months that I've stood before you. And I don't think in the 20 years that I've been here, I've ever been gone longer than a couple weeks. I could be wrong about that. But in 20 years, I don't think I've been away from my family, my faith family, more than a couple weeks. And I have missed you. I've missed you. I've missed the fact that you can't dance. <laughs> Take you a minute. Jan's like, would you move? And I looked out and they're like, you know, and then Andrew, I miss the fact that Andrew can't dance. No, it was so good. It's such a great moment. I love it. But I, I miss the sound of our voices together. I know we're, we're a little bit less today, but you were, you were a mighty force even through those masks to be able to sing out. I miss that. I miss being physically close and praying and talking and crying and laughing and worshiping. But we have been doing that. We have been doing those things, not physically close, but we have been doing that because just like Danielle said, the church is not a building. And we say that all the time, but it's really true. And when I watched that video, I realized just how powerful our community is. So I wanna tell you something. You are a strong and courageous community and a generous community, and you are doing the work of God in this community. And I just wanna say thank you. I'm so grateful to be part of this community. I'm so grateful that we go and we move out, even in the hardest times, the church is moving. And so, yes, you can, you can clap for that. And you know, it's funny, they say the heart grows fonder with absence, and I, the, the, the longer I've been away, my heart has grown more fond of you, more fond of Jesus. In fact, I would say this, that I have a renewed commitment, a deeper commitment, that Jesus would be lifted up high in times of division, in times of sickness, in times of conflict, in times of crisis. I, I, I have a renewed love for God in these past five months. There's something in me that has gotten more passionate about the idea that Jesus can actually enter into the hardest situations with courageous communities and strong communities and transform what people don't think can be transformed. And so I have a renewed commitment of these last few months because I'll tell you something, over the course of these last five months, it's unbelievable what we've witnessed. A global pandemic that has really flattened the world. That, and actually, it's an experience that the whole world is going through. We have a commonality of all cultures and people that have been touched by the same thing. That's powerful because we can understand each other a little bit more when we all go through the same thing. The church has been changed. It's been challenged, especially the church in the West where we live. It's been challenged. What does the church actually look like? What it's going to do? How's it going to respond? And then here, on top of all of this, and this sickness, and this, 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 this hurt, and this pain that's happening in our community, we have this civil unrest. We have this racial tension, this racism that has come up. That's not a new thing, centuries old, but it has risen up in a new way, in a new time. And boy, I'll tell you something, it's unbelievable what we've seen. Civil uprisings, protests, riots, conflicts between law enforcement and the public, political debates and polarization, unbelievable polarization. Sickness and death, loneliness and struggle, divisions like I've never seen in my lifetime. I'll tell you, this, I'll tell you a funny story. I'm on Facebook and I'm on these social media platforms and I'm seeing people in our own community start to argue. 
followers of Jesus that are starting to cut each other's legs out. And it got so bad, I'm not kidding you. At one point it got so bad that I started calling strangers in our community that I didn't even know who they were. I just sent them a note and said, can we talk for a minute? And I'll call them and say, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you and I love you and I'm really glad you're part of our community, you know, because there's so much tension, do you feel it? That is happening in the midst of this time. And then of course we have masks. And that's tension. But I want, to, I want you to hear something in my heart on these masks. Very early on in this whole thing, and uh, I'm glad we don't have two rows here because I don't have this and I'm sorry, but uh, you know, very early on in this whole pandemic, I really was drawn to Matthew 25, where God says, when you care for the most vulnerable, the ones that are sick, the ones that are lonely, the ones that don't have clothes, the ones that don't have things to eat, the ones that are in prison, when you care for them, you're actually physically caring for me. And we really rested on that scripture. So when we ask you to wear the mask, and I know there's controversy and I understand, I really do. And we try to do the best we can, but when we ask you to wear a mask, that's our heart. We're rooting it in Matthew 25. And we're saying, we're gonna stick there. And we're gonna make that decision. And I know it's not always the most popular decision, but I'm so grateful that all of you would be here. And I know, honestly, I know this too, that some of you have medical conditions where you can't do that. And so we're trying to accompany that. We understand that. But we are grateful that you've come here. And that's really a heart there. But here's the other thing that I want you to understand. In the midst of all that, that sounds dire, we have seen some of the greatest acts of selfless love rooting in the person of Jesus. We have watched frontline workers put their own safety and health at risk and their family's health at risk as they care and love and try to heal total strangers. So we've been able to witness, we've been able to witness in fact, I want to tell you one story. I'm going to go really long today. I'm sorry. I haven't talked in a long time. You'll be here for two hours. But, but there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a gentleman here, Bob. And Bob was a retired paramedic, and he works part-time in the ER. And he spent nine nights caring for the worst COVID patients. And after that, he, he has COVID. He, he attract, uh, you know, contracted COVID. And he's probably in his 60s. He went home. He recovered. And all he said to me was, when I called him when he was at home and getting ready, he's like, I just can't, I can hardly wait to get back. He healed, he went right back, caring for the same people. That's the kind of people rooted in Jesus that we have in our community all around us. People coming together to help each other, gatherings of solidarity, overcoming racial divides. We've seen these beautiful conversations and people stepping in with the love of Jesus to try to find something in the midst of hard things and watch the kingdom of God really start to grow. The love of Christ manifesting itself through conversations, through acts of love, through sacrifice, through stories, by the way, of miraculous healings and great acts of service. Here's what I would say to you is this. In the most challenging time, God's church has the most incredible opportunity in history. The most challenging times we have as a church and followers of Jesus, the most incredible opportunities. Even in the midst of everything that's going on, God is making something new out of this mess. That's why I've been holding on to Isaiah 43. It says, don't look back at the former things of old because I'm doing something new in the midst of this. Do you see it? Do you perceive it? I'm making a new way. And we actually get part of that new way. So when you say, if you're saying something like, I can hardly wait till we get back to the way it was, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break your heart here. It's never going back. Because when we come back, and I think we're gonna be filled in this place and I think all that's gonna happen, we're going to be different. We're going to be impacted and we're going to change. And God is making something new 
We have to keep our eyes on that. He's inspiring us. He's pushing us into new territory. And I will tell you this, the church, God's people, are designed for moments like this. You are designed for it. You are designed to be strong and courageous in Christ. You are designed to step in. That's what he's made you to do. That's what he's made his church to do. And so I'm fired up because I know it's been a hard five months and it's gonna get probably hard again and we're gonna go through a lot of stuff in the next year or two. We don't know what's happening in front of us, but I know one thing, that our community is strong and courageous in stepping out in faith. And so here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to start, uh, you know, or continue with a prayer, a corporate prayer. I'm gonna ask you to stand if you can. And I wanna ask you to recite this with me. It's one of my favorite prayers. And this, to me, is a vision of what the church is called to do because the church actually is a place that can bring peace, that can bring love, forgiveness, faith, hope, light, joy, consolation, understanding, generosity, and ultimately hope. That's who we are. That's who you are rooted in Christ. If you're not following Christ today, that's awesome. I'm glad you're here because you get to hear the vision of that and be invited into that. And so let's recite this together. It's one of my favorite prayers. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O oh Lord, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, not to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Lord, that's what we pray. We pray in this community that we are people that bring faith, hope, love, peace, light, joy. I pray that we are ones that pardon, console, understand, give, serve, and love. In the name of Jesus, because of Jesus, in Jesus, Jesus is our peace, and in him, he has created one new humanity. Father, would you give us a new vision as we start to move forward from this day? We pray this in Jesus' name, and we say, amen. amen. You can have a seat. Thank you. We are gonna receive our offering at this time. I have to really be honest, during this five months, this community has been incredibly generous. And I know we're going through hard times. Many of you sitting in these seats and joining us on stream, uh, this is a hard time. And so I, I, we understand that. We know that some, you know, there's a lot of people that are furloughed or out of work, but we are grateful for ones at this moment that are capable and very generously giving to this community to continue the work that we've doing, all the work that you saw in that video. Uh, we give a number of different ways, and we say this pretty much every time, but you can text 77977 to Kensington. Uh, you can also go on our website, kensingtonchurch.org, and follow that. You can send uh, your check here, snail mail, to this address, 1825 East Square Lake Road. Or uh, you can download our app. And I always say just download the app because it's not just for giving, but it's for anything connected to Kensington. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity. It's been amazing. It really has been humbling. Well, we are starting this series called Remembering. And we're looking at an incredible leader in the Bible, Joshua. And I've already kind of given you the words, strong and courageous. 
You're gonna hear those. There's a theme that runs through the book of Joshua. And Joshua was mentored by Moses. Now here's the cool thing about Joshua and Moses. There's a guy by the name of Robert Clinton, and he did a lot of research on leadership and especially within the Bible. And what he contends is this, that there's about 500 leaders in the Bible that we know of. There's about 100 of those that we have enough information that we can see that how they led. And out of those 100, there are 49 that we can see how they led over a lifetime. Did they end their life well? Did they lead well or did they burn out? Did they fail? And out of those 49, guess how many were actually led their life fully as a good leader all the way until the end? Only 14. We call it the, at least I call it the elite 14. That's about 28%. By the way, that's about the percentage that is in the workforce as well and in leaders in the secular world as well. About 28% or so lead throughout their lifetime well. And these two, Joshua and Moses, are those elite leaders. And so we get to look through the eyes of these elite leaders and especially of Joshua. And the one thing that we know throughout scripture, if you, if you follow one of the themes and threads throughout scripture, is that remembering is a powerful tool in your faith. Your memory is actually a very powerful tool in faith. Over and over throughout scripture, this is this theme of remembering. God goes to his people and says, don't forget. Don't forget what I've done. Even these past five months, I keep going back over these past five months and look, Lord, Lord, what did you do? Don't let me forget. Let's talk about this. Let's celebrate. Let's make a video. Let's show, hey, this is the work that God is doing. Why? Because we tend to forget pretty quick. That's actually the story of the people of God and God throughout scripture. They remember, they realize God is true. They start following him and then they, and then they, they wane off and they forget what God has done. And so God is always saying, remember what you've seen. And great leaders in the Bible say, remember what you've seen, God. Remember what you've seen. Talk about it. In fact, Moses, who Joshua was under for almost four decades, really four decades of, of leadership through Moses, he says this. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen. And let them fade. Do not let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Now you have to remember that in this culture, it was an oral traditional culture. So they're passing on stories, but we have to not forget what our eyes have seen. We have to tell the story. We have to engage our memory. Our memory is a powerful tool in our faith. One of the things that I love about my wife is every time we get to the boy's birthday or our daughter's birthday, she'll tell the birth story. And I'm not kidding you. I mean, it's probably 16 or 17 straight years. Just before we open up, we're all sitting around the table and she's like, well, it was the morning of August 10th. And, I, and she'll go, and the boys, as they got older, they're like, are you kidding me? Stop it, mom, it's so dumb. We know my story, I peed on the doctor, that's what all happened. You know, like she'll tell the same, but she'll keep going. And even to the point where I started teasing her, she kept going. And I realized something after years of that, how important that is. You know why? Because that moment was a moment that heaven kissed earth. That we saw God move in a miraculous way. And my wife is saying, do you remember? I do. And I'm not going to forget. Your memory is a powerful, powerful tool. So you're going to see that theme run through here. And we're going to give you three kind of grids to look that through. What you can remember in your faith or what we could potentially learn in this particular scripture that we're going to look at. At this time in history, Moses, who had been called to lead 
the people of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, through the desert towards the promised land that had been promised for centuries. He is now at the end of his life and he has passed away. Joshua has been under Moses' leadership for four decades. How would you like to be an assistant for 40 years? That's Joshua. And now God is tapping Joshua on the shoulder and he's saying this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying this, my servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan to the promised land, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, the Israelites, to the Israelites. I'm giving this promised land. Here is the moment. Here's a beautiful moment in scripture, by the way. God is actually highlighting one of the greatest handoffs of leadership, one of the greatest succession plans of leadership in scripture. He's highlighting this moment and he's handing off the baton to a brand new leader to go into a brand new place, a brand new land. The old leadership was amazing. Moses is one of the greatest leaders to ever be. But yet now, Moses has reached the end of that leadership and now there's a new land that they're gonna come and now this new leader who's been, by the way, absolutely mentored in the most incredible way by Moses, now God says, you're ready, here you go. And this is what's happening in this moment. Now here, I'm just gonna give a little bonus thing that I think is so, so insightful. All of us are leaders. Every one of you are a leader. You may not feel like a leader, you are a leader. You're leading yourself, number one. You're leading your community in some way, your workplace, your friends, it doesn't matter. You're leading something. And so you see yourself as a leader. God sees you as a leader to have impact for his kingdom. But every leader is not the same. And what I like in this one, a friend of mine, Bill Bateman, he's a wonderful man. He's, he works uh, at Walsh College, I love this guy. And he, he actually bought me a Bible and it was a John Maxwell Bible. John Maxwell is a great leadership coach, but in some ways I always looked at John Maxwell, I'm like, eh, you know, like he's incredible, but I always thought it was a little bit odd. But then he gives me this Bible, I'm like, oh. And then I start reading it. It's one of my favorite Bibles to read because all he does is talk about leadership principles throughout the whole Bible. It's really fun. And he says it this way, the difference between Moses and Joshua. He said, Moses led 40 years of desert travel, Joshua is gonna lead 30 years of conquering Canaan. Moses is a political and diplomatic leader. Joshua is a military and strong strategic leader. Moses was a patient listener. By the way, the people grumbled a lot in 40 years. They complained. I think they had to wear masks. So anyways, but he was a patient, he was a patient listener. <laughs> no, no, he was a patient listener, I understand. I don't mean to make fun. And then Joshua was more confrontational. He's more challenging. Moses led as a peacemaker. Joshua led as a commander. And then I love this one. Jo Moses provided water from a rock. Joshua made people dig their own wells. Different leaders. Everyone is different. You are different. But God wants you to lead in your context through your unique identity. And then God gives Joshua his word and his promise. He says this, every place that your sole of your foot will tread upon that I, I will give to you as promised to Moses, from the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea in the west shall be your territory. Now, now listen, this is very specific. God is giving very specific points. This isn't just general. He's saying this is the land. And then listen to this. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, 
So I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Jalen has already tipped his hat to that. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Say strong and courageous. Now oh, your voice sounds really clear, even through the mass. That's beautiful. Strong and courageous, for you shall put these people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. And only be strong and very courageous. Say strong and courageous. Being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your ways prosperous and then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. God is commanding to be? Do not be frightened or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Man, I read that and I'm like, yes, that is the key to life. For me, that is the key to the last five months. That is the key to our future. And so we're gonna look through that lens. The first one is this, when we think about our faith journey with Christ, remember God's presence. Remember that God is present. Remember that God is close. And it's in the presence of God where God speaks and grows and forms and shapes. Listen to Joshua 1.5 again in 1.9. No one shall be able to stand against you in all the days of your life. Did, if we really believe that, we would have literally zero fear. No one could stand against you. If you really believe that, I'd be like, I can take anyone. Now you may get in trouble, but you would be really confident. And that's what God's saying. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with the one that you walked with for 40 years, and you saw, as I was with Moses like that, I'm gonna be with you. I will not fail you, I will not forsake you. In Joshua 1, 9, I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Remember, in your faith walk, God is close. God is present. Success in your life, this is really important. In fact, this is a theme that runs through the book of Joshua. Joshua is successful. Not because he's a great military leader, which he is. Not because he's strong leader, which he is. Not because he's gifted, which he is. I could go down a whole list. He's successful because God is with him and he passionately pursues the person of God. His pursuit of the presence of God, which is a book by Brother Lawrence that I would recommend, I always do, The Pursuit of the Presence of God. That is a great book, Brother Lawrence, if you want to get it. It's a meditation kind of book. But the idea that Moses and Joshua had this pursuit of the presence of God in their life, that's why they're successful, and God's making that clear here. Don't worry, it's not just because you're so gifted, which you are, it's because I'm with you. Our success from, comes from pursuing and being in the presence of God. And Joshua was mentored by someone that knew this more than anyone in the scripture. Listen to what... They describe Moses' relationship with God, Exodus 33. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Isn't that beautiful? That's one of my favorite descriptions of someone that has pursued the presence of God and God and Moses speak face to face. Literally, there are moments in scripture where Moses was one that could get closest to God. 
speaks to him face to face. There's this trust and this pursuit and this presence because Moses knows he doesn't have a shot in his life unless he realizes that he's gonna pursue the presence of God and he's gonna have God close because in the presence of God, God is forming you and shaping you and giving you the gifts and helping you develop and preparing you for a moment in time where you can step into that moment with confidence because God says, don't, don't, be, don't be frightened. Be strong and courageous. Why? I'm with you. It's okay. Remember the presence of God. God is close. This summer I decided on top of everything else to take a 10-week course in the study of the ethics and the theology of Martin Luther King Jr. Thought it was good timing to do that. And uh, it's just been, I'm telling you, it's been wonderful class. There's a great moment in Martin Luther King's life. He's 26, he's probably Jalen's age, 26, 27, when he's in that range. He's a young preacher. December 1st, 1955, there's a woman by the name of Rosa Parks who spent most of her life here in Detroit, by the way. And she is on a bus in the colored section in the back of the bus and these seats and the white section fills up and the bus driver comes to Rosa Parks and says, you need to get up along with your friends so that we make room for white people on this segregated bus. And Rosa Parks, December 1st, 1955, says, I'm done with this injustice. I'm not doing this anymore. And she stays there. By the way, the civil rights movement was such a force with the women. Joanne Robinson, who was the president of the Women's Political Council, realized that was the moment that they needed to do a boycott of the bus system, the segregated bus system, and fight for their rights. And on that Monday to follow on December 5th, 1955, they boycotted the bus and they started to push against the system that was segregating people, dividing people, and making people feel lesser than. They were hurting people, they were killing people, and they were done. At the end of that day, which was a successful day because at times buses only made five, six dollars, they knew that their financial viability was now shaken by the black community and the black community was holding strong and it was a successful day. And that night, they decided to pursue a young pastor that understood the presence of God. His father was a pastor, his grandfather, he studied. I didn't know if he had his doctorate at this moment or not, I don't remember, but he had studied he was ready. He was in the presence of God. He was hearing from God. He knew a message that he had from God. And at that moment, they tapped him on the shoulder and said, would you lead this movement? And he said, yes. And then they said, by the way, you have 20 minutes to prepare for one of the biggest streets of your life. He walked into the Holt Street Baptist Church. There was close to, they say, 6,000 people in the streets. They had speakers, they had all kinds of things. And if you've never heard the Holt Street Baptist Church message of Martin Luther King, you need to listen to it. Because he was prepared. He was in the presence of God and he spoke the truth of God in an opportune moment that the truth of God needed to be spoken. Joshua is at this moment. And in the presence of God, our hearts are shaped, our minds are shaped, our souls are mind, our lives are focused and God is close and present in the pursuit of him and the presence of him is paramount to our life. I would challenge you. Are you pursuing God? Because God is the one that is going to whisper the words that you need. God is the presence that you need to be strong and courageous at the most opportune time.
So we remember God's presence, and we also remember God's promises. Joshua 1, 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore, I promised to their ancestors to give them. Here's what you have to hear about Joshua. He walked with Moses for 40 years. I'm telling you what, I don't think I could be someone's assistant for 40 years. I'm like, Lord, four years is good. I need the reins, you know? So, but he, 40 years, four decades. But in those four decades, he saw incredible things. He saw the promise of God moving the people out of slavery into a direction towards the promised land. And every night and every morning, God provided for them just like he said he would. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, God provided all they needed in the wilderness. He got to go up to Mount Sinai with Moses. He didn't go all the way into the presence of God, but he was there when God gave Moses the original commandments. He was there when he came down the mountain to present them. And he was there when he saw the people of Israel. They had already turned on God and were worshiping another God. He was there in that moment. He watched God's promises come true. He watched God be faithful. He was there when Moses tapped him on the shoulder with 11 other guys and said, I need the 12 of you to go to the promised land on a secret mission, to look at it, to scout it, to come back to us and to tell us exactly what we're walking into because God's promised us this land. When the spies came back, and you can read about this in Numbers 13, 14, when the spies came back, 10 of them weren't strong and courageous. They were fear-filled. And they said, we can't take that land. The people are too strong. We'll never be able to do it. They'll wipe us out. And they turned all the people that Moses and Aaron were leading against them. But only two stood up and said, no, no. I'm in the presence of God. I've seen the promises of God. And I'm going to rest on my faith. Joshua, Caleb. And Joshua said, no. I'm going to stand on the promises of God. He has seen the promises of God. He has seen the faithfulness of God and he remembers that. And God's like, remember the promises. Some experts believe that there's over 3,000 promises in scripture. The promises of God to his people. And God is saying, remember those promises. Now look, it's not about, hey, I have a vision. God didn't give me what I want. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about is the core promises of God. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. I'm going to be with you. I will never leave you to the end of the age. I have a plan for you. I will not leave you behind. Those kinds of promises that God promises to his people that pursue his presence. When I'm at a point in faith where I'm struggling, do you know what I do? I look back on my life and I watch the promises of God. My life's not perfect. There's a lot of hurt right now. Last 10 years have been really hard. A lot of sickness in our family and different things that we're struggling with. But you look back and you see the presence and the promises of God that line up with Scripture. I don't know if you've ever done this before. I highly recommend it. There's an exercise called the timeline where you look back over your life. and You do each decade. Now, if you're in your 70s here, you got a lot of work to do. But if you're in your 20s, you scored. (laughs) But you look back each decade and all you have to do is, is just ask God, what memories do you want me to have right now? What happened? What are the highlights of this one, good or bad, that happened that you want me to think about? And you document those, and then you go back and say, Lord, what do you need me to know about that? Where were you in that? Explain that. And I'm telling you, you do that exercise, and you see the thread of God pulling you through your life. Joshua saw that for years because he pursued the presence, and he understood God's promise. 
So we remember God's presence, God's promise. And the last one of this, God's principles. Joshua 1, 7, 8. Only be strong and courageous. Say strong and courageous. Being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or left so you may be successful. Do not let it depart of your mouth. Meditate on it. Be careful so that you can act upon it and you will be prosperous. One of the key components of faith is the word of God. As we pursue God, as we lean on his promises, we have to know his promises. We have to understand what it means. And God has given us a book, scripture, to be able to read and to engage with God. And by the way, as you engage in reading scripture, as you engage in learning scripture, as you engage to be able to speak it and meditate on it and act upon it, you know what happens? God's presence becomes more clear. God's promises become more clear. And Joshua knew this. He knew the importance of it. And I, like, I really do like those three categories. That we'd be able to speak it like a language that would be on our tongue. And we know scripture says that what's the overflow of our heart actually becomes what we say out of our mouth. That means that it is deeply rooted in our heart, in our core of our being so that we can speak it. And when we speak it, by the way, it has power. I remember one time we were in this hardest situation in a third world country, a lot of darkness, didn't know how to navigate. And I just sent a, a message to my friend, Larry and Helen, who were missionaries their whole lives, 50, 60 years. And I said, I don't know what to do, I'm at loss. And he said, all you have to do is speak it. And he goes, it's gonna sound weird, but just speak out the truth of God. Even speak just the name of Jesus. And I remember during that time, that's what Amy and I would do. We'd just speak it out. People thought we were probably crazy. We're just gonna speak out the truth. He's saying, speak it, meditate on it. Let your mind actually hold it. Let your body hold it. Let it actually sit there and meditate on it. Think of it day and night. And out of that, what happens? We move. We move in concert with God. Here's what I want you to know today. Our memory is one of our most powerful tools of faith. It's one of the most powerful tools of our faith. And when we remember God's presence, he's close, God's promises and his principle and his word, we are equipped to live a life that is strong and courageous. I will say this to our church. We are living in an uncertain time. We are living in an uncertain time. You say, yeah, no kidding. You're stating the obvious, Mr. Obvious. I'm letting you know that in uncertain times, resting on the certainty of Christ and pursuing Christ is when you are gonna be able to step into uncertainty and bring clarity. That you will step into chaos and bring peace. That you will step into hopeless situations and bring hope. That you will speak into the points of division and bring love. The kingdom of God is not of this world. But man, can it have an impact in this world. We are called to be strong and courageous. And I'm calling this church into strength and courage. You have it. And all of you have it within your context. It's a different day. And great challenges bring great opportunities for God's church. Lord, thank you. Thank you for our church. Thank you for this moment where we could be together. You say when we gather and we worship, I love what A.W. Tozer's vision is, that we are being tuned to a tuning fork. It's like 100 pianos in a room, all being tuned to one note. 
We're being unified. We're being called into unity to go out and create unity. We're called up to love to be able to go out and show love. We're called up to the person of peace, Jesus Christ, to take peace into an unsettled world. We are called to the reconciler to bring reconciliation. What an opportunity this is, Lord. What a beautiful opportunity. Lead us in your ways. Lead us in your ways. Lead us in your ways. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to uh, sing a song now. It's a newer song. I'll invite you to stand if you're able to. Uh, and literally it just says there's nothing better than you. And there's Jesus. And in this season where we're called to bring God's kingdom, little pieces of it here to earth, there's something we have to root ourselves in. And that's in the idea that there's nothing, there's no one better than Jesus. So I invite you all to sing this out. It's, it's simple. If you don't know, if you haven't heard it, Really easy to catch on to. Let's sing this together. Show 
a great way to end our day and I'm also grateful that you didn't make me dance this time so I appreciate that maybe next week hey but just a couple of reminders as we leave we'd love for you to join us this Wednesday at seven o'clock online for midweek and then next weekend as well we're going to be in the second week of our series remember and if you would like to be here in the auditorium with us uh, we'd love for you to go to our app or our website to grab your free tickets there as well but also just a few instructions as we leave and exit the building. Uh, if you could remain in your rows, our ushers will come forward and they're gonna actually dismiss row by row. And then also we'd love for you to join us out in the East Courtyard and that's just directly outside. If you go outside into the lobby, just go outside, just go out those back doors and we'd love to connect um, and love for us as a community to be able to connect as well. And so thank you so much for being here, not only here, but for those of you who are joining us online and we'd love to see you this Wednesday and next week as well. But have a great week, everyone.